You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. It's going to be a great day, so you don't want to miss that. Amen. Galatians chapter number 6, and we'll read verses 1 through 3. And it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Then in verse 2, he says, Bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Now that's a powerful statement that Paul makes right there. Powerful, powerful statement. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. So Paul says this, if a man, if a person thinks that they are something, when actually they are nothing, you deceive yourself. Paul says you're nothing. Paul says we're nothing. The New Living Translation, if I, I don't know if you have verse 3 in the New Living Translation, says it's like this, if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. My title today is, You Are Not That Important. Turn to somebody and tell them, You Are Not That Important. Now, you're gonna, I'm going to need your help here today. because I, I may have lost some of you there, but... And we pray, Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your truth and your spirit. And I pray in these next few moments here we have together, let the Holy Ghost accomplish what it wills in our mind and our heart. Don't let us just come to church unchanged, but God, speak to us, mold us, shape us, fashion us, God, after your purpose and your plan. Lift someone up today. God, heal someone, encourage someone. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. You are not that important. How important are you? We could all probably sympathize with that moment that we are walking down the hallway, maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe just going down the hallway at the mall. Maybe you're in a large auditorium and things are not yet coming together. It's, it's before the event takes place. Maybe you're driving down the road and you come to a stoplight. But you know the moment I'm talking about when someone looks and waves and says hello and you look back and, and, and wave and say hello. Maybe it's someone that you know, and you say, oh, look at that. They, they say hello, and, and, and then you go and you approach them, and as you come up, you realize they weren't waving at you. They didn't even see you. They didn't even know who you were. 
Maybe it's at a service and you see someone and you wave and you go over and they, they, they finally, that moment, you realize they weren't waving at me, but I'm already committed to go greet them and it's embarrassing if I don't do this now and they shake your hand and say, well, hello, and they, my name is, what's your name? And they don't know you. You're not that important. Or maybe it is it's when you show up and the first thing out of someone's mouth is, where's your wife? Or where's Luca? That's more common what, what, what I get. Oh, I, I, I meet people now. I'll never forget, it was, it was a couple of years ago, they had Pastor's Day uh, uh, at the school. The Phelps uh, had Pastor's Day at the school. We went up there to, to, to be there for Pastor's Day, and we were hanging out with uh, Chesney and Ava and Jensen, and we're walking through the halls, and we had Luca. Luca wasn't even a year old, and, and uh, this was Luca's first time. I'm pretty sure Luca had never been to their school before, and as we're standing in the hallway, we've got little seven-year-olds walking down the hall saying, hi, Luca. And I thought, he's never even been here, and these kids already know who he is. And I was just the person holding Luca that day. You're not that important. But you are important. You do matter. You are important. Let me, let me just go on record and declare right now. Let me make, make, make sure that you understand my title is not misleading. You are important and you matter to God. You matter to God as an individual. God knows you. He knows you exactly, intimately. He knows the details. He knows the thoughts that you have. Even in your creative being, you are important. You are not a duplicate. You are not a copy. Every fingerprint upon your hand is unique from the billions of people that are alive today and from the trillions and innumerable amount of people that have ever existed, you are important. You matter to God. He knows the hair on your head. He has each of them numbered. He knows which ones are working their way out right now and the new ones that are getting ready to come. He knows you better than you know yourself. You matter. Jesus said that, that you matter more than the flowers of the field that he sends rain and sunshine on. He, he cares for you. He seeks your provision and your protection even even greater than the birds of the air that lodge in the trees. God cares about you. In Genesis, it declares that we were made in the image of God. We were made in his image, and we were made in his likeness. The word of God declares here that we were made in both the appearance and the character of God. That's a unique thing to think about because we were made in the image of God. How was I made in the image of God? Well, I'll tell you how you were made in the image of God. We know that God is transcendent. We know that God is eternal. He is without limit. We know that God is a spirit, that he is beyond us. His ways are beyond our ways. But God decided to reveal himself. We talked about it here before at length. When God decided to reveal himself, the moment that he defined himself, the moment that he determined he was going to 
reveal himself is the moment that Jesus Christ comes into existence. It is God manifest in the flesh. When God said, I'm going to reveal himself, he chose to do so in the manner of Jesus Christ. He had this established before he ever said, let there be, and there was. Before he ever said, let there be light. Before he ever created the world, God intended, the eternal, omnipresent God intended to manifest himself, to reveal himself, and he did so in the person of Jesus Christ, whom scripture says was from before the foundation of the earth. So that means that God had already decided he was going to manifest himself, and in that manifestation, it was going to appear in the person of Jesus Christ. His determining to manifest himself came before the creation. And so therefore, in the mind of God, the Logos existed before the creation. And so Jesus existed, God manifest in the flesh before the creation, even though it would play out in this thing called time. We were made to look like Jesus. We were made in the image of God. We are not eternal. We are not omnipresent. But when God fashioned Adam and Eve from the dust of the earth, he did so in the image of God, in his appearance and in his character. I'm here to tell you, you are important because God said, I'm going to make them, amen, to look like me, not just in appearance, but in character. He wanted us to be standing in his love, in his grace, fashioned, amen, in his character, in his being, in his purity, amen. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Is with that is with that understanding of theology and that revelation that we were made in the image of God that we believe and declare today that all life has value. As long as there is breath in that body, there is value. As long as there is breath in that body, amen, Christ seeks to redeem, save, restore, and to make something of their life. Amen. No one is beyond the grace and the mercy, the reach of the grace and the mercy of God. And so that's, amen, why we do ministry, amen, for whosoever will. That's why these doors are open to whosoever will. That's why we don't put a pedigree. We don't put a measure, amen. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you're looking for the almighty God, you're welcome here, amen, because you are made in the image of God. You are important. You matter. You matter so much. That Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh, came down to this earth and he went to a cross and he bore the weight of the world, the burdens of all sin upon him. In every point, he was tempted, he was tried, he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities, our despairs. He carried all of that to the cross and he died on a cross. He died the horrific death of crucifixion. His blood was shed, his blood was spilled out in that slow, torturous death. He died as humanity beat him, as they mocked him, as they scourged him. He was nailed to a cross. And as he hung there in his last breath, as they were going through the process, he would say things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He took on the form of a mediator, of a go-between, as an intercessor. He died, amen, knowing that we couldn't intercede for ourselves. But he said, 
said, I'm going to intercede for them and get this. That great drops of blood that he shed, he paid the ultimate price of his life just so that you and I would have the opportunity at salvation and grace. He paid the ultimate price with no guarantee that you would follow him. He laid his life down with no guarantee that we would choose him. He gave his all with no guarantee. I'm going to tell you, I, I, I might be okay paying my all, but I want to guarantee if I give it all that something's going to happen, that it's going to work. But I'm going to tell you, you were so important that he looked down the, the telescope of time to 2019 to this day where he could find broken, fallible humanity that would need him. And without a guarantee that we would choose him, he chose to take up the cross and die for our sins. It is a lie from hell that tells you that you don't matter. If the God Almighty would robe himself in flesh and come down and die for me, then that tells me that my life is worth living and it's worth trying to give everything for the Lord. Oh, somebody thank the Lord. God, I thank you today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, you are important to God. Amen. He said, in the Old Testament prophet, he said, I've graven your names upon the palm of my hand. I've graven your names. It was a nod to what would happen to the Messiah when he would be crucified. In, in his palm there, the nail prints would be left. And in every crease, just as a fingerprint is unique, the palm print is unique, Christ is saying, I have graven your hand, your name in the palms of my hand. He sees those nail scars. Amen. And there is written the name. Wow, that's how much you matter to God. Can I just pause for a moment and say you matter? I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you carried in here. I don't know what burdens you're shouldering, but you matter to God. And your life is important. Amen. It ought to be more important than the way of this world. It ought to be more important than the pleasures of sin for a season. Your life ought to be more important to you. Amen than wasting it on the stuff of this world. Your life has value. It matters how you live. Don't, don't, don't treat it callously. Don't, 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 just, don't just throw caution to the wind. The, the, the YOLO life mentality, I, 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 I like a certain part of that, but another part of that ideology ought to terrify us. You only live once. YOLO, you only live once. That's right. So you ought to do everything you can while you have this life to benefit it for Christ. But too often, people take that concept and say, you only live once. Let's be reckless. Let's, let's throw caution to the wind. No, I'm here to tell you, your life is too important to waste it on things. But, turn to somebody and tell them, you're not that important. Now, did I make that up or did we read that? Isn't, isn't that in the scripture? Isn't that in the Bible? Put that back up there. Let's go to Galatians 6 and 1. And, I, and today I want to read it in the New Living Translation. By the way, did we get the pastor recommend translation? We didn't put that in there this, this week. Maybe in the next week I'm going to give you, share with you some of my favorite uh, versions, English versions of, of the Bible, but 
The New Living Translation is a thought for thought. So it's not, it's, it's, it's to be, not to be looked at for word for word, but sometimes it, it's as commentary. It'll help you a little bit. Go back to verse, do you have verse 1 and 2? Go back to verse 1. And here's how, here's how it reads in the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Here, here Paul is talking. You can go back to that, that verse just for a second. Here Paul is talking to the Galatian church, and he's sharing some powerful principles. If you never read the book of Galatians, you ought to go home today, and you ought to read it, di dissect it, uh, uh, ingest it. It's got some powerful things. And he's talking in chapter 5. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And he's talking about how uh, we're not under the law of the flesh, the law of the flesh which dictates certain things, the works of the flesh, adultery and fornication and witchcraft and murders and envies and all those things. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit, when the Spirit is alive in you, it's going to produce fruit. It's going to produce a, a, a natural thing. It's going to be a byproduct. You don't just wake up one day and all of a sudden you're, you're a bowl full of love and a bowl full of happiness. It's a work of the Spirit inside of your heart. And when you give your life to God and the Spirit is working, then that becomes the, the byproduct. That, that's the fruit, the offspring that comes from that. And then he comes to chapter number 6, and he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And anytime you identify in a corporate setting the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, the first thing that we ought to do is we ought to identify in ourselves when we can recognize that we have some works of the flesh still happening that ought not be happening, and, and, and where we have the fruit of the Spirit happening, uh, uh, and we thank God for that, and where maybe we may be missing some of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and so he starts out with love. Well, yeah, I love, but then he gets down to patience, and he gets down to gentleness, and he gets down to long-suffering. Maybe I need to work on that a little bit. That ought to be the first thing we think about, but that's not usually the first thing we think about. Usually the first thing we think about when he gives a list of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit is, yeah, they, they still need some work. Come on. It's usually not us that we think about, right? But we think about that other person, you know, yeah, yeah, they still got some work over there. Amen. And so Paul now follows it up, and he says, okay, let's talk about this. He said, if anyone here is fallen, if anyone has made a mistake, if you see, because it is a truth, once you identify in your heart what needs to change, and once you change it, you can recognize sometimes that other people haven't yet gotten to that place, and they need to change some things. And it can make you critical. It can, it can destroy you. It can mess with you. And so Paul says, if someone is overtaken in a fault, or if someone is overcome by some sin, he said, you which are godly, you which are spiritual, that, that have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, he said, you ought to go to them and help them. Don't seek 
amen, to push them out. Don't seek to shun them. Don't come over and say, Brother Ryan, I know I've dealt with all these things, but you just, you are not measuring up. That's not how you do this. You come over and you say, come on, now, now, brother, I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I want to share with you some things that I've gone through. He said you do it in meekness. You do it in humility. Here's my testimony. I, I want to share with you some things that I used to deal with, and here's how God set me free. He's going to get the message without me coming and calling all these things on him. And I could say, you know what, I've identified maybe that you're, you're fighting some battles, and I want to encourage you not to give up. There's some things that you you cannot stop. You've got to keep on going on. You've got to keep on walking on. And, and, and Paul is instructing them to restore such a one with a spirit of meekness. You, you've got to seek, amen, they're good. Seek to bring them back into the fold. And then he goes on in verse number two, and go to verse two, and he says this. He said, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Now, without me getting into it too much, what Paul was doing is saying not only those that are, that are falling into sin, but then sometimes you just see those who are going around and, and they're in despair and they've got some heaviness. Come up here, Brother Jackson. And, and they got some heaviness, and he says you got to share in their burdens. Here he is. He's going through the weight of life, let's say. And, and he's got some heavy burdens that he can't shoulder himself. And so you've got, you've got some responsibility. You've got some ability to come over and to help burden, shoulder some burden, share some burden. So he's going through a patch in life, a season in life, and you're trying to, uh, like you just mentioned, can, can, can we just talk about you, your testimony? In everything, give thanks. Sometimes that's a hard thing to do. Sometimes you say, God, I don't want to give thanks today. This is not the day that I woke up ready to say, I'm going to give you thanks. But in everything, give thanks. And you come over and you shoulder one another's burdens and and, and, and you get together. First of all, you can't shoulder someone's burden not, not ever coming around them. You gotta get close to them. You gotta get over there. You gotta, you gotta find them. You gotta touch them. You gotta get next to them and you sort of help shoulder the burden. Share, he said, each other's burden. And in this way, you obey the law of Christ. So just come over here and help me out for a moment. So here's a man and he's got, he's got a great burden. We, I, I, don't, I don't have a good... Uh, illustration, but you got a great burden here. Where, where, I need some more burdens. Give me some more burdens. Come on, I got more burdens. Oh, look at this. Look at this. You, you, you don't want this kind of a burden yet, but go ahead and put it on. That burden's got diapers. It's got bottles. That burden's got all kinds. That's a burden, but some of y'all, you got some burdens. He's got some burdens here. He's got some burden. He's trying to walk, and, and uh, there he is, just standing there, and, and uh, uh, he's sh sharing the burdens. The Bible says share the burdens. In this way, he said, you fulfill. See, I told you, he can't even do it here. He's got it all here. He, can't. he said, in this way, you obey the law of Christ. Now, if you're reading the book of Galatians, what he's talking about here is he's talking about the Old Testament law versus we're not under the Old Testament law. He's talking about the new law. And he's talking about that, that we are given liberty. The law, he doesn't he doesn't look down on the law. He doesn't dis, uh, despise the law. He said, I thank God for the law. He said, it was our schoolmaster. It taught us things. It teaches us things. But the laws were intended to do something more than just us fulfill the law. 
This is not a game where we just are a part of so that we can follow the rules. God did not invent the rules and then put people that he needed to follow the rules. The rules were intended to help us. So, for instance, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus comes along and he starts he said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to fulfill the law. And he said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. And what he was talking about was he was saying they had taken the Old Testament Moses law, uh, the law of Moses, and they had polluted it and they had made all kinds of loopholes. And Christ come restoring the purpose and the intent of the law. For instance, in the Old Testament, it said, thou shalt not kill. That's a good law. How many, how many like that law? I like that law. Let's keep that law. That's a good law. Thou shalt not kill. And he said, but you've heard it said. He says, he, he, Jesus said, he said, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, he said, whosoever calls a man, looks at a man, and says, thou fool, he says, is in danger of hellfire. He said, because what you're doing is you've got the law, and you're saying, well, I'm not killing. See, I didn't kill him. I'm still obeying the law. And I hope that didn't hurt you. You're, you're all right, right? I'm sorry. I hit you a little too hard there. And, and, and they would go and they would, they would beat up on one another and say, well, I didn't kill them, I'm okay. I mean, they'd get down there, they, they, they would just choke them about to the point of death and about, about when he's about ready to lose all, they, they let go and walk away and say, see, I didn't kill him. Look at me. Look at that great, great person, believer I am. I follow the law. Yeah, but you just beat this guy up over here. And Jesus says, you missed the point of the law because on a technicality, you followed the rule, but the intent of the law was not to kill a person. The intent of the law was that you wouldn't even look at a person and say, this fool, this, this, this crazy, ridiculous person, I, I have, this is, what a waste of life. He said, no. He said, the moment you look at a person and call them a fool, he said, you are, he said, you are in danger of hellfire. And here's what Paul says. He says, when we come alone and we share one another's burdens, instead of looking at this man and saying, look, look at that guy. Look at all the burdens. Man, he, he ought to be more like me. And look at this, how messed up. He said, no, when you come over and you see someone that's burdened down and you start saying, hey, hey, let me help you here a little bit. I, I, I know you got a lot, but, but, but I'm going to help you here. I, I'm, I'm going to help hold you up here. And we're going to make this together. He said, when you do this, you fulfill the law of Christ because Christ was not concerned with the technicalities. He was concerned with the spirit and what was going on inside of your heart. Now get me here today. He said you share one another's burdens and you obey the law of Christ. You fulfill the law of Christ. What God wants to happen is for you to fulfill the law of Christ. Hallelujah. God wants the Spirit of the Lord to be in your life so great that you don't need a law, that you don't need a rule. Now, follow me for a moment. Have you ever, have you ever heard of a, a rule and thought, well, that's a dumb rule? That's a dumb rule. Now, do you know why rules exist? Because somewhere, some way, there was a need for a rule. And some of these rules do not make sense. Do not use a hairdryer in the bathtub. It's against the law to use a hairdryer in the bathtub or whatever these crazy rules are. They've got crazy rules because someone did something. Amen. What Christ wants to do is to put his spirit inside of you. Isn't this what Paul says? He said, they that are Christ. He says, they or those that are filled with the Spirit, they have no need for the law. That's what he said in chapter 5. He said, if you have the Spirit of God inside of you, you have no need for the law. 
because you fulfill the law. The reason why they had to say thou shalt not kill is because there were people that were killing. God wants you to walk around in a life. He wants you to walk around in a spirit. I'm going to tell you, it's a powerful thing when the Holy Ghost is inside of your life. When the Spirit of God is inside of your life. Because you don't need a, a law. You don't need a rule book. Amen. People say, well, I'm tired. I don't want to go to that church because they have a whole bunch of rules. That's right. When the Spirit of the Lord gets a hold of you, you don't need any rules. Because you're going to be holy. You're going to be righteous. You're going to be sanctified. You're going to be full of love. You're going to be full of grace. You're going to be full of mercy. Hallelujah. Come on, we need more mercy in the church. We need more love in the church. We need more glory in the church. We need more holiness in the church. We need more righteousness in the church. Hallelujah. We don't need another rule. We need a baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need an Acts chapter 2 experience inside of our heart. This is what Paul said, you will obey, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And then go to verse 3. Look at what he said. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself because you're not that important. You're important, but you're not that important. This is what Paul says. This is not what Paul says. You're not that important. You're not so important, amen, that you can't look at someone and say, you know what, I need to come over and I need to help them. We've got to be careful as the church. Can I just preach this morning a little bit? We've got to be careful that this doesn't become about us. I want to tell you, the damnation of sin is that sin makes life all about you. That's the trap of sin. People say, what's so bad about sin? Sin makes it all about you. Sin makes it all about you. It makes everything about you. It makes it about your selfishness. And what Paul is talking about here is getting to a place of selflessness, getting to a place where you is out of the picture. You've got to get you out of the picture. It's not about you. Here's what he said. He said, if a man in, in the KJV, if a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Here's what Paul is teaching. He's saying that you all by yourself are nothing. You are nothing. You add nothing. You are nothing. The moment you become something is not is the moment that it ceases to be about you. If I am just here by myself and my brother's got a burden and I refuse to go over and help him, I am nothing to him. I am nobody to him because he can't bear up his burden. His burden is weighing him down. His burdens got him down. I am nothing. I am as good as not existent. But the moment that I come over and I say, hey, let me help you, I become something. I become something to him. You get what I'm saying? What Paul was saying, if you think you are something when you are nothing, you deceive yourself. When it's all about you, when everything's about you, you are nothing. When your family's about you, when your marriage is about you, oh, nobody's going to help me preach. When church is all about you, when life is all about you, when the money is all about you, when the house is all about you, you are nothing. But the 
moment that you will lay down your life and fulfill the law of Christ and make your life about helping someone else, that's the moment you become somebody. That's the moment you become something. That's the moment you become a friend. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. How important are you? You're so important that Christ died for you. But you're not that important that you can't help somebody else. You're not that important that you don't have time to lay down yourself to go help somebody else. Uh, you got to help somebody. If you want value in your life, stop letting it be about you. You lay it down. Now I become somebody when I help somebody. People don't remember the people that don't talk to them and the people that don't help them, but they're going to remember the people that go out of their way to come over and to encourage them, to compliment them, to help them. Nobody remembers the thousands of people that drive down their street that goes right past them. Nobody remembers the people that walks right by them while they're hurting and in need. But the moment somebody walks by, even down the grocery aisle, and sees someone in tears or someone that's frustrated and just comes over a hand that says, it's okay, can I help you? That's the people that you remember. Amen. You are nothing when it's about yourself. I'm going to tell you, that's, that's the damnation of sin because sin says it's all about me. Sin's all about me. I'm going to tell you, they don't advertise. They don't advertise the inroad. Sin does not advertise the end game. It only advertises the beginning. The Bible says the pleasures of sin are for a season. But that means a season. That means it's going to run out. It's going to run out. What would you think if your life if everything in your life was seasonal, what kind of life would that be? Hey, I'll be your friend for a season. <laughs> what kind of life would that be? The pleasures of sin are for a season. Nobody advertises. Nobody, nobody, the commercials don't show you the end. Hear me today. The commercials don't show you the end game. The beer commercials show you all the fun. They don't take you down the alley where you can find that father who's so in despair of his life because he's wasted things. The drugs, oh, it's all fun. It's all fun and gay, but they don't show you the basements of the crack house where they're laying around and everything was about them. And now they're laying in despair and they've lost everything. You see, sin never advertises that. Come on, the promiscuity, the sensuality that, that the world wants you to enjoy and to walk in. Be careful, young woman. Be careful, young man. When you start concerning yourself with the, with the ways of the world and, 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 and the ways of all this thing because it doesn't show you the end game. They, they prop it up and they show, show you the sensual and the seductive and the young and all that stuff. They don't show you the end of life. When they've been used and abused and there's nothing left and they're all by themselves. I'm going to tell you, sin says it's all about me. And if you are holding on to the things of this world, I'm telling you, like Paul says, you are nothing. I am nothing when it's all about me. I am nothing. You know what? You know where your best value is? You know where your best fulfillment is? Is when you are serving someone else because you're fulfilling the law of Christ. Hear me, mom. Hear me, mothers. You will 
will never be more fulfilled than when you are giving up your life to your family and to your children. That's why some of you, the world says, oh, you're nothing. You're nothing because you care for you. Gotta, you got to go out and you got to be this great person. I'm here to tell you, no. God made you in his image. God gave you a purpose. And you may lay aside your own fame and fashions and fortunes, amen, to raise a child, to take, take a son and take a daughter. Father, come on, don't make it about you. Come on, you provide, you give, you, you, you do what it is for your children when you give your life to someone else. Phil, that's why, that's why you can't just, at some point, you can't just come to the church and it always be about you. At some point, you've got to serve somebody else. At some point, you've got to be willing to move over in the, in the pew and let somebody else have the person. See, you understand what I'm saying? At some point, you've got to say, hey, I've got to come and help you. At some point, you can't be the one that always comes down wanting everybody to pray for you. At some point, you've got to return that and come over and say, hey, I may not have much, but I, I, I can take this much. And I'll just help you with a little bit. I'm going to shoulder a little bit, and I want to fulfill the law of Christ. This is why Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I am crucified with Christ because I'm not that important that I can't, that I can't lay my life down. Say, well, I don't have time for another. See, here's what Paul was trying to teach the church. He was saying, this is what maturity looks like. This is what spiritual maturity looks like. It's when you lay aside your things, and all of a sudden it's not about you, but it's about shouldering someone else's burden. Wow, what would happen in America? <laughs> what would happen if it stopped being about us, and when we saw the needs, instead of being critical, we'd say, hey, how can I help? How can I come along and help? What would happen? Come on, that's not the spirit of our world today. We'd rather go to the blogs and we'd rather get on YouTube and rant about it than we would help people. Hear me today. I know nobody's going to help me preach, but this is a countercultural thing. The spirit of the church, we ought, not, we, ought not, we ought to be careful, church. We don't just get on our blogs and get back on our YouTube and we rant and everything. No, how do we do it? We fulfill the law of Christ. We come over to somebody and say, hey, I'm going to help. I'm going to help shoulder the burden. I know you've got this, but can I tell you the Lord, he helped me. And if he helped me, I can help you. I can lead you to a cross. I can lead you to a place. Amen. I'm only here not because of my ability. I'm here because somebody came and picked me up. Somebody helped shoulder me. Somebody came and prayed me through that journey. Somebody prayed me through that trial. Come on, somebody came and praised with me. Somebody took my hand. Come on, that's it. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, Brother Manuel. come on. You're not in this alone. I know you had a hard week. I know family's not working out, but you keep on keeping on because we're going to fulfill the law of Christ. Oh, oh hallelujah, hallelujah. Can I tell you, we are in the healing business. We are in the restoration business. It's not all about me. Hallelujah, stand together with me. I'm not that important. I'm not that important. Come on, the next time. I, I understand the principle of the poor you have with you always. I know we can't fix every problem in the world. I know that you could empty out your life. You'd never make it a church. I know sometimes you got to put priorities in your life. But this is where Paul was saying, he's saying, and he goes on in chapter 6, and look at what he says in verse number 10. He goes on, and he says this in verse 10, as we have therefore opportunity, 
Look at this. Can you get this? Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. As we therefore have, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. But he says, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. The church is not a club, but it is a family. It's not a club, but it is a family. And it's not a white family or a black family or a Greek family or a Jew family. He declared that in chapter 2. He says, look, this isn't about Jews and Greeks and Gentiles. When you're, when you're in Christ, you're in Christ. We ought to celebrate how God made. Don't be ashamed of being who you are. We got so much shame, uh, 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 whatever, going on in this world. You got to be afraid of this. No, God made you who you are. We ought to thank God for that. You were made in the image of God. Thank God he didn't make us all the same. What a boring world. But we're a part of the family of God. And the way that we, we mature and we get to the place is when it ceases to be about us. And if there's any place you've got to lay down your life and pick up your cross, every day Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. What was Christ doing when he carried that cross of Calvary's hill? He wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it for someone else. Paul says, I die daily. But Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. See, we even approach the gospel from a selfish context. How do we take up our cross? We take up our cross when we lay our lives down, and it's not about us. And if it's not about us, then that means it's all about him. It's got to be about somebody else in our life. You're not that important. You're not that important that you don't have time to pray, that you don't have time to worship, that you don't have time to be in the house of God. Let me speak to you as pastor. You're not that important that you don't have time to step aside and help somebody else that's going through a dark situation. You're not that important that you can't take someone out to eat, that you can't take them a bag of groceries, that you can't go visit them in the hospital. Can I just preach a little bit here? Come on, we, we got this mentality, that's the pastor's job. No, that's not the pastor's job. That's the church's job. When you lay your life down, you know how fulfilling it is when you help somebody else. You shoulder somebody else's burden. God, I want to lay my life down. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about me. My life is not about me. It needs to be about my wife. It needs to be about my son. It needs to be about my church. It needs to be about my friends, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's why we don't give grudgingly. Thank God for every Sunday school teacher, every cleaner, every lawnmower, every person. When you do that, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for others. You're giving to your, you're giving. Thank God for every person that says, I'm going I'm to faithfully support the kingdom of God and give to missions. You're not doing that for yourself. You'll never get a plaque with your name on it. No one else will ever know the amount that you give, but God will know. And what you're doing is you're taking the burden off of somebody else and saying, Brother Jackson, I know you've been called to preach, and so I don't want you to have this extra burden, so I'll carry this burden so you can go out and do what God has called you to do. Can I tell you, that's the portrait of the church. I'm not that important that I can't give my life to the Lord today. Come on, would you bow your heads with me, Lord, this morning? Thank you, man. Thank you. Hallelujah, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, don't make it all about me. Don't let me make it all about me, God, but let me make this about you. I want to serve you today, God. I want to, hold, I want to give my whole heart to you today, God. 
completely. Hallelujah. I want to open up these altars here this morning. Thank you for letting me preach to you today. Come on, you matter. You're important. If you need God, he's here today. But I'm going to tell you the long-term purpose and goal of Christ is not for you just to be about yourself, but God wants to use you to impact.